Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to focus on central Italy, looking at the regions of Tuscany, Lazio and Umbria to the west, and Marche to the east. And these are historic regions with some very famous names. But quality has varied over the years, and this is because of the varying regulations which have been controversial and contradictory and constantly changing and evolving. And let's look at those regulations before we dive into the different regions. I like to view the French as creating rules and then closely following them even if they grumble under their breath. The Spanish create rules and then break them if they don't like them. Whereas the Italians create rules and then immediately start arguing about them until they create new rules, which they immediately start arguing about until they create new rules, and so on and so on. And this is why there are so many regulations in Italy which often contradict each other or try to improve but fail, and so there's lots of different rules to learn. This dates back to the 1960s, when the Italian authorities decided to follow the French appellation system and create their own, based on the historic regions and deciding what great varieties should be planted there, the delimitations of the region and production methods and so on. And they called this the DOC, the Dominazione Dirigenata Controllata. And this was introduced in 1966. The trouble was, these regulations were dogged by compromise. In Italy, then as now, there are lots of growers. And these are very small growers with tiny plantings, and they can't make their own wine, they simply don't have enough grapes. So instead they sell their grapes to cooperatives, who represent all these growers. And the role of the cooperatives is to make wine, and make sure that their growers receive money, and that's about it. Quality is not um, important. Whereas independent producers are more focused on quality and making a profit. And so the DOC regulations were a compromise between these two different uh, factions. And what happened is that the DOCs that were created were overextended. And this is most definitely true of Chianti, the most famous region of central Italy and of Tuscany. From when that DOC was created in 1967, 7,000 extra hectares were planted up until 1972, so a massive and very quick expansion. And that's because Chianti was extended from its historic uh, zone, which lies between Florence and Siena on hillside slopes, into the plains around uh, below those hills. And these plains produce very simple wines, very easy to grow the grapes there, they ripen very quickly, but no quality whereas the hillside slopes get much higher quality. And so the quality of Chianti nosedived, and its reputation fell, and that this was a huge issue. And so some of the independent producers rebelled and refused to make wine under the Chianti label, and created their own wines using different grape varieties. The most famous of these is Tignanello, which was first released in 1977, and that was a Cabernet Sauvignon-based wine. And then also other famous ones are Sasakaya and Ornaya, also Cabernet Sauvignon-based wines, so completely rebelling against the rules. And these wines became extremely popular, extremely fashionable, and selling for high prices. And Chianti looked on at these producers making a tidy sum producing high-quality wine, where they were struggling to get by making high-quantity high wines. And so the rules were changed. Across Italy, the DOC was introduced in 1980, the G here standing for Garantita, so guaranteeing the control of the designation of origin, and Chianti was made a DOCG in 1984, with an emphasis on higher quality and more experimentation. 
One of the other issues about the creation of the Chianti DOC in 1967 is that they followed the Riccasoli formula. Riccasoli was a 19th century politician who became Prime Minister of Italy, and he advised that white wine should be used for the production of red Chianti. And this was introduced in 1967 as an actual regulation. 10 to 30% of the wine had to be Trebbiano or Malvasia. And this simply made the red wines dilute and uninteresting. The reason Riccasoli had advised that was for the young, simple wines. Adding white wine made them a bit softer and more approachable. He was not advising it for high-quality Chianti. But these regulations meant that Chianti had to have white wine in it. In 1984, that was reduced to 2%. 2% of the wine had to have white grapes. And also, to encourage experimentation, 10% of non-traditional grapes were allowed. Also created in the early 90s was the IGT, Indicazione di Geografica Tipica, which became Protegida in, um, in recent years following the EU model. And this was to incorporate the so-called Super Tuscans. So IGP allows much broader experimentation, um, the rules are less strict, and all these Super Tuscan wines now fall under the IGP label. Chianti has also changed since 1984. Now it can be 100% Sangiovese, and it must be 80% Sangiovese. No white grapes are necessary, and the international grapes like Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot can be added. So lots and lots of changes, lots of controversy. I think Chianti is finally settled. Having said which, yes, another new um, DOCG was added to Chianti, Gran Selezione, for wines that have been aged for longer than usual from really high-quality grapes. And this is an attempt to make the very best Chianti under its own DOCG. So quite a confusing region. To add to that confusion, Chianti has eight zones which can be added to the Chianti name, so for example Chianti Rafina, or Chianti Classico, and Chianti Classico refers to the classic or historic heart of the region between Florence and Siena, where the grapes are grown on the hillside slopes, between 250 and 500 meters. And these are much higher quality wines, and since the rules were changed in the 80s and 90s, the quality Chianti Classico has risen considerably. Within Chianti Classico, there are more subzones. Um, Panzoni is probably the highest for quality near the village of Greve, and this has a hillside slopes called Concordora, which means shell of gold, rather like the Cote d'Or in Burgundy, just receiving the maximum sunshine, getting the grapes ripe, but because of the high altitude, the nights are cooler and that preserves the acidity and just allows the ripening to be gradual. Chianti is, of course, made from Sangiovese. Sangiovese really likes quality sites. Once you put it on low quality sites, the quality really dips hugely. So Sangiovese does produce a, a range of uh, quality. And because there's more focus now on those high quality sites on the hillsides, Chianti has increased in quality. Moving to the west, to Bulgaria, which is on the coast in the uh, DOC of Marema. And Bulgaria has created a DOC in 1994. Because it's by the coast, the, the temperature is uh, quite moderate, but the grapes do ripen before the rain, autumn rain comes in. And this is where some of the Super Tuscans were originally based, for example, Sasakaya and Ornaya. And the quality of Bulgaria is quite consistent, mainly from Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, with Sangiovese allowed as well. Going further south to Brunello di Montalcino. Brunello here refers to Sangiovese. It is a clone of Sangiovese. Sangiovese is a grape which has lots and lots of clones, and it's very important to plant the right clone in the right vineyard. And this again is something that Chianti was not doing over the years. And the Brunello clone is particularly suited to the village of Montalcino. The Brunello di Montalcino name was first used in 1888 by Biondi Santi, the first producer to be based in this uh, DOC. 
G. And he produced a style of wine which was full, intense, and long-lived. And that is a style which still um, is replicated by the many Brunello di Montalcino producers that have emerged. Biondi Santi only produced four vintages in the first 57 years of the winery, which really, in, because it was a rare wine, the price was quite high, and also interest in the wine was high, and that built the reputation of Brunello di Montalcino. In 1960, there were only 11 producers. Now there are well over 200, so there is less consistency of quality. But because Brunello di Montalcino is an expensive, sought-after wine, it should be a very high quality. The village is 112 kilometers south of Florence, and it's warmer and drier here than it is in Chianti, so the alcohol is higher, often 14% or more. That warm climate is moderated by maritime breezes coming from the southwest. There are two zones within Brunello di Montalcino. Galestro to the north is higher altitude and produces more aromatic wines. Sant'Angelo to the south has more clay, and it's lower down, and so it's warmer, and the harvest is earlier, and the wines are fruitier and most producers will blend these two zones together to produce a balanced wine. Brunello di Montalcino, now the regulations have changed over the years, but now the wines must be aged in oak for two years at least, and a reserva must be three years. Also, Rosso di Montalcino. Because Brunello di Montalcino is aged for so long, it's quite costly for uh, producers, and the wines are expensive too. So Rosso di Montalcino is a wine which doesn't have to be aged for as long, so it can be released earlier and younger, which is great for producers because it brings in the revenue while they're waiting for Brunello di Montalcino to age. Also great for consumers because um, these wines are cheaper, and they're fruity and fun and forward, and easier to drink than Brunello di Montalcino, which is quite intense and really requires some age. Not far from Brunello di Montalcino is Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, and Vino Nobile here refers to Sangiovese. Since the 18th century, the wines of Montepulciano have been called noble wines, so that was incorporated into the name of the DOC. This is 120 kilometers southeast of Florence, with sandier soils. Uh, it must be 70% Sangiovese, different from Brunello di Montalcino, which must be 100% Sangiovese, though Vino Nobile can, will often be 100% Sangiovese. The slopes here are east and south facing, facing, 250 to 600 metres in altitude. 600 metres is a little too high to be planting Sangiovese. It's a late ripening grape, and that high altitude means the grapes may not get fully ripe. So planting the vines at the right altitude is important. The wines will have full body, high alcohol, perhaps that's the finesse of Brunello di Montalcino, because the evenings are warmer. So Montalcino has those breezes coming in from the coast. Um, that's not the case in Montepulciano, so a little uh, more robust. And there's also less limestone soil in uh, Montepulciano, and Sangiovese really likes the uh, limestone soils. The wines, like Brunello, must be aged for two years, with three years for Reserva. So they do pr uh, provide a good value alternative to Brunello di Montalcino, because they don't have the reputation of Brunello, and so the prices are lower, but a similar style. Looking at uh, white wine, in Tuscany, Vernaccia de San Gimiano is a very beautiful uh, village near Siena with sandstone soils. This is actually the first DOC to be created in 1966. The wines are good, they're crisp and fresh with high acidity, and quality has risen, as is, as is the case with white wine in general in Italy. Sometimes oak is used to provide a bit more body, but the wines are at the best when they're crisp and fresh. Going to Umbria, just south of Tuscany, and the area of Orvieto, a medieval city, the Classico zone of Orvieto accounts for 80% of production, so this is an area which didn't expand too much, unlike Chianti. The wines can be quite bland. Um, 
The grape, main grape, is Trebbiano, which is the most planted white grape in Italy, which produces bland wines with high acidity and low alcohol. They're refreshing but boring. More interesting grapes are Vidello and Grichetto especially, and producers are trying to make a richer style of Orvieto. There's also a potential for red wine here. That's quite a recent development. Moving nearer to Rome was Frascati, a famous white wine going back centuries. But the main reason this region is famous is because it's near Rome, and that's what the locals would drink. Made from Malvasia and Trebbiano, again the wines are quite bland, and it's in decline because there's now access to more interesting white wine being made across Italy. Going eastwards towards the Adriatic, we have the Marquette region, which has a strong influence from the sea, and also from the hills which separate Tuscany and Marche. And this is a region more isolated than Tuscany. Tuscany has the great cities of Florence and Siena, and it's not too far from Rome either. Marche more isolated, which means that the quality of the wine didn't develop in the same way as the wines of Tuscany have done, because there's no urban centre to sell the wines to, and to provide an incentive to producers to, provide, to produce higher quality. But there are uh, three famous uh, areas within Marche for wine. For red wine, there's Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. So this is confusing, because Montepulciano is mentioned twice in this episode of the podcast. We had Vino and Nubile de Montepulciano, and here we have Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. But the name Montepulciano is referring to two completely different things. Mont- Vino Nubile de Montepulciano. Montepulciano is the village from which the grapes come. Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. Abruzzo is the village, and Montepulciano is the grape variety. Quality varies here. It should be better than it is, but there is overproduction, because it's quite a famous wine, so producers try and make as much of it as possible. It can be young and easy drinking, and those are quite simple wines, but it can be made in a better style, higher quality style, where it becomes more like syrah, animal and game aromas, but it's quite unusual to find the higher quality style, unfortunately. And then for white wine, there are two villages making white wine from the grape Verdicchio. Verdicchio de Castelli di Sangesi and Verdicchio di Metallica. So again, here we know the village is Castelli di Sangesi and the other village is Metallica and the grape variety is Verdicchio. Verdicchio is a high quality grape variety and these um, two villages are producing wine that's getting better and better. The wines in general have citrus aromas with high acidity and almond aromas as well. And the reason that quality has improved is because of lower yields, cooler fermentation and aging in stainless steel tanks to preserve the freshness of the wines. Verdecchio dei Castelli di Sangesi is 30 kilometers from the Adriatic, so a strong coastal influence. The Classico zone here is 90% of production, so again an area which did not overexpand. But this area is dominated by the cooperatives, who produce 60% of the wine, and also by negocium, or merchants, who um, produce a lot of the remaining wine. And in fact, one negocium, Fazi Battaglia, produces 20% of all the wine made in Verdecchio dei Castelli di Sangesi. Verdicchio di Metallica is further inland at higher elevation with lower yields, and this produces a fuller style of Verdicchio. But both these two villages definitely improved greatly in quality and worth looking out for now and in the future. So that has been central Italy. Lots of uh, ups and downs in the histories of these regions. I think the quality is more is more settled now, there's more consistency to production, but there's still a lot to be worked on, particularly in Chianti. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.